One mystery that seems to plague human beings is what happens after death. What happens when we pass over? Is it just over? Or is there an afterlife? Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. And welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true near-death experiences. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your scary story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Today's video is a little bit different. I know I normally share scary stories with people and monsters and all that kind of stuff, but I thought today's topic would be fun. Joining me today is my good friend Dave Scott from Spaced Out Radio. He shared his own experience today, and I hope you enjoy it. If you do, check out their channel if you're a fan of all things anomalous. Now, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true near-death experiences. This weird thing that I'm going to be talking about happened early February of 2019. Me, my ex-best friend, and her family went to Dave & Buster's. It was my very first time going, and I was very excited. So I was exploring the place until it was time to leave. Me and my friend, who I will call A for privacy reasons, decided to go head outside and in the parking lot to smoke some weed before her mom came. Give it about a few minutes, probably 15 minutes or so, and her mom would come and they were heading out of the parking lot. Ten minutes later, we were still on the road, so I and A started to get tired, and so we fell asleep. As soon as I closed my eyes, I saw that her mom was moving the steering wheel all crazy. I began to notice that she was drunk, and her friend who was driving was trying to take her hands off the steering wheel. I then felt the car move so fast, with so much pressure, I noticed we had crashed, and now I was bleeding from all over my face and my body. It's really hard to describe how I felt in the moment. I almost felt detached from the situation, if that makes any sense. I turned to my right to see my friend unconscious, her mom as well, and then her mom's friend, clearly dead. I was the only one conscious until my vision became blurry, and then I soon blacked out. I saw a white bright light, and by now, my soul was clearly out of my body or so I think it was. I saw myself lying there, bleeding on the hospital bed, as I saw my family surrounding me, crying and praying for me to wake up. I kept hearing a voice telling me, See, this is what happens when you don't do the right things. I don't know if it was God himself giving me a sign or the devil. I then heard a whispering voice telling me to, Wake up. I gasped out loud for air, so loud that I had woken up my friend up all paranoid. The same car we had crashed in that dream of mine, or whatever that was, was now in front of us. I yelled out, Watch out! as the driver had pulled the brakes before crashing into the car. I couldn't believe it. I just saw our death happening before it happened. Just like in that movie Final Destination. I had trouble sleeping for a couple of weeks since that incident. I don't know what that was, but I know that it was not due to being high or due to fear or anything like that. I hadn't even smoked with my friend. I was completely sober. When we went back home, I tried explaining to my friend what I saw, and she just thought I was paranoid, but I know what I saw was not imagination. A week had passed by, and A's mom and I went to the store, 
and she started telling me about how her friend who was driving us that night had a dream about death. He said that he had died, and that there was a black thing with red eyes and a horse or something who had come to take him. He had saw himself in the coffin, covered with white roses. I still think about this to this day, of what this experience was. I can only really think of it as a near-death experience. I will say that if anything, I'd like to think it was a good thing, because at least I gave the driver a heads up that he was going to hit a different car. At around age 11, I was into the urban exploration sort of stuff that you would see on YouTube. Since then, I've fortunately grown out of that phase, but it took me nearly dying to change my mind. Without further ado, let's begin. One frigid December morning, my cousins came over to visit from the opposite side of the neighborhood. Since we were bored, and all happened to be grounded from our phones at the same time, it was my stroke of genius to show them a dangerous cliff about a half mile behind my house. Though we were technically on my now deceased neighbor Mike's property, we weren't really worried about him coming out and yelling at us. So off we went, trudging through last night's waist-deep Michigan snowfall. We hopped over the broken fence dividing our properties. We carried on, deeper into the shimmering forest. After nearly a half hour of scaling snow-covered hills, we reached the cliff in question. Now, it was rather small as cliffs are considered, only 70 to 100 feet by my estimation. We had fun playing in the fresh blanket of snow. Eventually, trying to be the cool kid in the group, I lowered myself down into the steep decline. Almost immediately, I began to slide down toward the sheer drop-off, which although only about 10 or 15 feet off the bottom of the cliff, it was over a massive pile of cut-down trees. I grabbed onto one of the few bushes that dotted the hillier part of the slope and squeezed as tight as I could. I had managed to catch myself only about 12 feet from the drop, meaning that I was situated on an extremely steep cliff, 45 feet or so below my cousins and only 12 feet from having broken bones. You may wonder when this turns into a near-death experience, and here's where it starts. My oldest cousin ran off to get my parents. I was stuck making nervous conversation with my slightly older, very annoying cousin. All of this happens as I'm cautiously scaling the way I thought would be the fastest, a semi-sideways route to a lower outcropping of solid ground. After about two or three minutes, I was getting close enough to grab a rusty hunk of some barbed wire fence. I had hopped over not even 20 minutes before. I was using it as a makeshift ladder. After about a minute's struggle, my left hand slipped and I dangled one-handed over a 50-foot sheer drop. My cousin luckily came back with my family and rescued me not even a second later. This is the story of how I almost died. It may be a little anticlimactic, but honestly, it's still terrifying to me. Hi there. My name is Dave Scott, host of Spaced Out Radio. I want to say hello and thank you to Swamp Dweller and all of the listeners of the Swamp for making this channel as awesome as it is. I listen every night after my show, and the stories here are enough to leave me with goosebumps. After hearing your stories, I thought I would add a creepy story of my own. This is called, I Died. <laughs> 
I died today. No, not in real life, but in a dream that was so surreal that it literally has shaken me to the core. Right now, as I speak about this, I find that my anxiety level is at an all-time high because of this dream. Was it a dream? Was it something more that I have yet to understand? Right now, I'm not so sure. You see, I've always had a fear of death, to the point where even as an adult, as I've aged, there have been times where it's rattled me so badly that I've literally put my running shoes on and sprinted down the street as fast as I could because mentally I thought I could outrun the inevitable. Deep down though, I know that's impossible. I was 15 years old when I first experienced death in my life. It was my maternal grandmother who passed away. I remember feeling awkward, like I should cry, and I did. However, I wasn't so sure how much I was supposed to cry. Or, at my young age, was I supposed to be young and a tough man and hold it all together the way men should? I wasn't particularly close with my grandmother, unfortunately. I wish I would have been, and I wish I would have got to know her better. I was always so much closer to my dad's side of the family. The first time I realized I wasn't immortal was when I was 18, when a young man I used to hang out with in high school, named Kyle, was killed in a car accident. I've always thought about what his parents went through. From what I had heard, his father had a very tough time with the loss. I couldn't imagine how my own parents would cope with that. Unfortunately, I'd find out years later when my nephew, my parents' first grandchild, would unexpectedly die from a fentanyl overdose in the summer of 2018. No one should have to bury their own child. It's one of the true horrors in life. My fear of death came in 1999 when my daughter was four months old. She had awakened and I was rocking her at night and carrying her around the house, comforting her like any daddy would for his baby girl. I was 25 years old. As I was rocking her, I was whispering in her ear how beautiful she was, how I was going to love her forever, how I was going to protect her forever, how I was going to be there for her forever. It was the word forever that set me off, and I felt like sinking into my stomach that I had just lied to my infant girl. How could I be there for her forever when I know one day I will die? I'm going to die. I don't want to die. I want to be there, always, for my baby girl. The tears and panic immediately started to flow and kick in. As I was holding my daughter, I kept apologizing to her that one day her daddy was not going to be there for her. One day this beautiful life would come to an end. Then what? It's over? It's gone? Ashes to ashes? Dust to dust? I have always believed in God, but what if science is right and there is no God to comfort me, to bring me home, and if there is a God, and we are supposed to be of his creation, then why did he create us just to die? This still doesn't make any sense to me and hauntingly creates knots in my stomach. Over the next couple of decades, the panic attacks came and went, but nothing prepared me for this latest encounter. I died. I remember climbing into bed about one o'clock in the morning. I played my video game for a few minutes to tire myself out. When I knew it was time for bed, I turned my game off and started listening to Swamp Dweller. Normally, I turned my game off and started listening to an episode of Swamp Dweller, which was on Dogman Encounters. Now normally, 
I'm not someone who remembers my dreams. The only time I seem to remember my dreams is when I have encounters with aliens. Yes, whether you believe in that phenomena or not, I am an ET contactee. But this dream, this time, I remembered it was just as vivid, but highly different. It actually came a few days after I had had an ET encounter. In my dream, I remember myself being thrown lengthwise into water. My entire body hit the water, and I was not moving. I couldn't move. I saw the splashes of water all around me, and the air bubbles starting to move up towards the surface. I remember I was sinking. I realized that this is me, in my body. I knew I was dead. I saw the light above the water start to get greener as my body started sinking deeper and deeper. I tried to take a deep breath, but I couldn't because I knew I was dead. Still, sinking. And as the water started getting darker and darker, and the bright light from above started getting smaller and smaller, I tried moving my arms to swim upwards. They wouldn't move. I tried kicking my legs. It was no use. I was dead. I was trying to scream, or at least see if I could inhale water through my nose or mouth, but it was no use. Nothing in my body was working, because I was dead. In my head, I was starting to panic. I didn't understand why this was happening. It was then that I felt my lifeless body settle gently on the bottom of this watery grave. I was staring up at the small beam of light above me, knowing that I would never leave this spot again. My body was going to be here until the fishes started eating away at me. I recall looking around and seeing that there wasn't any fish around at this point, thank goodness. I started wondering, what is happening on the surface of the water, and why was there no one coming to rescue me? Then I remembered. I was dead. Internally, I was having another grave panic attack. I started thinking why. If I was dead, why was my soul trapped in my body underwater? Why wasn't I leaving my body? Was I really supposed to be here, down here, underneath this watery grave for good? Where was God in all of this? Why wasn't I released to the heavens to fly around freely? I felt trapped, claustrophobic. I didn't understand any of this. I knew that eventually my body would decay. Then what? What would happen? Where would I go? Would I stay with my eventual skeletal remains, staring up at the light above? I remember thinking, this is going to be really boring sitting here in this fresh water for eternity. God? Are you there? Why is this happening? Why am I here? Can you not hear me? Do you know I'm stuck down here in this watery grave? That's when I woke up, gasping to get air deep into my lungs. I sat up, awake for a bit before dozing off back to sleep until my alarm woke me up for work in the morning. A dream. All a dream. The reality is something happened that night. I felt it. I experienced it. It was completely surreal. I just don't know what the message is, or was it a future reality? All I know is that on that night, I died. In 2011, when I was dying from ketoacidosis, they brought me into the ER in a wheelchair. 
I was barely conscious and extremely weak. I remember seeing my reflection in a mirror and thinking, that wasn't a person. It was already a corpse in my clothes. If you don't know what ketoacidosis is, it's when a diabetic's blood sugar has been too high for too long and lowers the pH of the blood to the point where it becomes acidic enough to start eating your veins from the inside. You burn up. I was starting to hallucinate when they laid me down on the bed so they could get insulin and fluids into me. I thought I was lying in a Mediterranean courtyard, alone, in full sun, and I was too weak to move. The sun was so hot and bright my skin began to burn like a cigarette, turning to white ash and floating away to reveal glowing charcoals inside. I was so thirsty. At the same time, I could hear the nurses around me. I could hear them talking, but I couldn't speak. My mouth was too dry. I remember hearing one of them say they would have to open my corroded artery because all of my other veins had closed and shut down. I remember the horror of that and still not being able to move or react to it. After a while, I couldn't hear from either of them anymore. It was like a roar of machinery or a huge plane coming down. I felt like something was above me, but I couldn't see anything because it was too bright. I was burning and peeling away, and it was sucking whatever was left of me up into the sky. After that, there was blessed darkness, and eventually, I woke up in the ICU with my mom by my bedside. They told me later, that if my dad had brought me into the ER even 20 minutes later, I would have probably died. They would have had to take me straight into a resuscitation. It may not be as close to death as some others have been, I guess, but that courtyard and the feeling inside of my skin burning away like that has really stuck with me. I had an allergic reaction to a medication in a hospital, which caused a seizure that closed my windpipe. This happened late at night in a rural hospital, and some protocols were not followed. So it took the nursing staff a few minutes to respond to what was happening. Luckily, I survived, and left this experience with a much different perspective on life. Here is an account of my near-death experience. About 20 minutes after I took the medication and said goodnight to the nurse, things seemed to be okay. Then I started to feel something was wrong. I was completely conscious for the first few minutes of the seizure. However, my breathing slowly became shallower and turned to alarm as it became harder to swallow and then panic when I couldn't breathe or cry out. I lost control and had a seizure. However, I was conscious through this moment. I realized I was suffocating to death and I tried to cry out, but the seizure overwhelmed me. Darkness crept on the sides of my vision. Then, the world slowly seemed to lose color saturation. Dying is the most uncomfortable feeling you will ever experience. The next part is truly hard to explain. Although I've explained it to close family members before, it's hard, but the best I can describe it is, it's as if I wasn't for an eternity, but also was. I was blacking out or going under anesthesia. You simply are turned off, then you're awake. Something like awake anyway. After an eternity passed, there was a light. Not a light at the end of the tunnel cliche. This was more like an infinite seam of light going from infinity up and down. And I was floating in space, moving very fast towards it. Then, I was somewhere familiar, 
I grew up in a rural mountainous area with lots of farm fields and nearby ski resorts. And there is one resort that my parents would take us when I was younger every summer. The resorts have summer events when it's not ski season. That is at the top of a winding road through a beautiful golden forest. I got the sense that this road, or something like it, was where I was at. In front of me there was a hay cart to my left, and some bales of hay to my right. Behind the hay cart was a man, and behind was a beautiful tree. Now, before you say, Jesus? Let me be clear. Now, I wasn't even thinking that. I wasn't even kidding at all, just experiencing if that makes sense. Nor did he resemble anything at all like how Jesus probably ought to look. This man had long hair, tied back, and wore a simple linen shirt. It reminded me in retrospect of a pirate shirt. Basically, your standard hippie type. He seems oddly familiar in retrospect, like someone I know I've met, but I can't place how I know them. I don't think it was Jesus, but part of me feels like it didn't really matter whatever or whoever it was. This entity was a friend. I got the sense the hay meant something. Every straw of hay in the hay bales meant something. There's a lot of work to do, he said without saying it, in a familiar voice that I can't place, and gestured to the hay. Then again, somehow without saying anything, I was presented with a choice. Stay and help this friend load up hay on the hay cart and head up the mountain or leave. I explained without words that I had to take care of my family, my mother who was not doing well at the time, and I couldn't stay. Without saying anything, just an expression of sadness and understanding, the man raised his hand and his finger towards me. Warmth flushed over my face. Then, like a whole movie in reverse, the mountain road fell away. The seam of light, the darkness, then there was warmth which turned out to be my own blood as I was coughing all over my face. And, right at the frantic doctor holding a tube, they explained to me later that they gave me something like an EpiPen for the allergic reaction. So, that's what happened. I wasn't a religious person my whole life. I'm still not really. I was a long-time agnostic atheist, in the same school of thought as Christopher Hitchens and Sam Harris. This experience planted a seed that over time has made me decide to be an agnostic theist. I don't know what I experienced. I don't like to recall what I experienced too much, because every time you remember something like that, it's very challenging. Every straw of hay in that bale, I think represented some transgression. You have a weight to deal with when it's over, and it seemed like it was being presented to me in a way I could understand. Maybe, if you grew up near the ocean, it would be shown to you as some sort of distant swim or something, or a lot of fish to bring back to shore. I grew up near farm fields, so this experience made sense to me. I'm writing this now because I want to put a record somewhere of what happened and away from the earth of my mind, where it grew into a belief that there was an agent of our existence that is beyond our understanding. You can chalk it up to a DMT trip, my brain going haywire as it lost oxygen, or whatever suits your fancy. The experience was real to me, and it made me humble before the universe and filled an enormous sense of peace that your heaven and hay waits beyond somewhere. This story takes place back in April of 2018. I live in Long Island and was in my freshman year of high school. I was going through a tough time. Earlier in the week, my girlfriend broke up with me because of rumors she had heard about me, which I won't share. 
There was a lot of drama going around my life currently. Depression, broken hearts, you know, typical high school stuff. My mom knew I was down in the dumps, so one night she took me to get a new phone in the nearby mall. I have an iPhone 5, and at the time I was going to get an iPhone 8, so I needed a new one. We were gone for about an hour. We returned home with my dog greeting us. Let me tell you something about my dog. He's a short, stocky golden retriever who's never violent or vicious in any way. This is important for later. My dad was still at work. He normally works rather late, so it was my duty to take out the trash. I went through the front door with my dog resting on the porch and went to the side of the house to throw out the trash. When I was throwing the bag, I look over to my neighbor's house and I noticed that I saw a guy dressed in all black around six feet tall walking out of their side door. Being a 14-year-old and incredibly paranoid, I had so many red flags going off in my head. Let me tell you something about my neighbors and my neighborhood. I live in a relatively safe neighborhood, but not 15 minutes away from walking distance, we live by a town that has a very, very high crime rate, ranging from muggings, drug dealing, and even murders from time to time. My neighbors, on the other hand, have an older stepson who drag races in parts of the town and hangs out with some uh, not-so-savory people. For some stupid reason, I wasn't in the fight-or-flight mode yet because I was assuming that this could be one of his friends. Stupid of me, I know. Until there was another man and then another. I believe I counted about six guys in total dressed in all black coming out of the house and from the backyard. Then... I knew clearly what was going on, so I tried walking away as like I saw nothing. When I was on my driveway, I saw two of the six guys slowly walking towards me. My blood went cold within a few seconds as they were getting close. My dog went running off the porch chasing the six men down the street, chasing them into the night. My dog came back and I was still standing on my driveway trying to process what I just saw. I went back inside with my mom asking me what just happened. I told her what I just saw with the six men coming out of my neighbor's house and heading towards me. We called the police and they came over to ask me questions. I described the six men as best as I could. The police told me we're not the first to experience this as there were seven other burglaries all over town at the time, and I probably witnessed them breaking in. I told the officers about two of the six guys walking toward me after I saw them. They told me that since I saw them, they were likely trying to stop a witness. That was basically a friendly way of them saying that the burglars were going to kill me, since I saw something that they were doing. As typical as this could get, the best they could do was file a police report. I was always afraid of break-ins, but I never thought I would experience one, and never think that I might die in one. Four years have gone by, my family now has a gun, and I'm currently training in kickboxing for self-defense. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true near-death experiences. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that's incredibly helpful to the swamp. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit the subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, as I upload them nearly every single day, and all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your scary story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp.
It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going on a daily basis. Much thanks to my friend Dave Scott from Spaced Out Radio for reading story number three. It was his own personal story, and if you enjoy it, please be sure to check out their show. You can find the link to do so in the description down below. They stream daily, and I think you'll enjoy their show if you're a fan of the UFOs, aliens, and anything anomalous. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or somewhere else, please be sure to give this a 5-star rating over there as it helps us grow a ton. I'd love to know in the comments down below, what was your favorite story tonight? Honestly, I think Dave's story might just take the cake this time. If you're on the go and don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller Scary Stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. Be sure to join me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and I'll see you soon with another creepy video.